Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stephen R. Butler from the state of North Carolina, with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Frank, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, and John Rowe from the state of of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ, and we would ask that you would take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,700 shows that are actually live at this hour on Blog Talk Radio, and you will find this show on page number two of that website. There are about 10 shows per page, and you will consistently find these shows that are airing on Stevie B's Media Productions from pages one through four of that website. What a blessing. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you abide with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy 
and Divine Word. Father Page will be my co-host, Glenn McMillian and Robert Lee Johnson, as they break unto our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless their families and support their efforts as well, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the sins we've committed in our minds and our bodies. We know that our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, for we pray that you'll save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speakers for this evening in the first segment, my co-host, Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers. He serves with the Colonial Village Church of Christ there in Chicago, Illinois. He'll be answering our shouted-out questions for that segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. He's the evangelist with the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. It'd be closing out the show with this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice will be that of my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Let us gather just for a crown of 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Glenn McMillian, and his subject, the divinity of Christ. All right. Thank you, Stevie. Welcome once again to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Uh, again, my name is Glenn McMillan. I'm uh, with the Waterview Church of Christ, Richardson, Texas. And tonight we're talking about the divinity of Christ. Uh, we started talking about this last month when I was on, and we talked about an alarming survey coming out of uh, this uh, state of theology uh, survey done by the, the Lifeway uh, organization. Um, they are an evangelical group. They... Uh, we wouldn't agree on a lot of points of doctrine, but the trends that they have uncovered are shocking, uh, to say the least. And the, the most shocking thing is what we talked about last month, that there is a, a dramatic drop in the number of evangelical Christians who believe in the divinity of Christ. Over the last two years, since 2020, the number of Christians who deny the divinity of Christ has gone from 30% to 43%. That's a significant jump in just two years. And last uh, month we postulated maybe this is a problem with the teaching, that people just don't know what the Bible says about the divinity of Christ. So we went through the book of John. We went through a lot of scriptures in the book of John that directly point to uh, Jesus being the Christ. His apostles claimed that he was the Christ, Jesus himself uh, declaring himself to be the Christ and to be the Son of God, and therefore uh, containing the divine nature. 
And the problem that we kind of hinted at it or, or, or talked about was that, you know, maybe these things are just so axiomatic to Christians that we don't even think about them. We assume that a person who calls themselves a Christian um, believes that Jesus is God, the Son of God, and therefore we don't need to expressly teach that. So the the teaching has gotten lost, and we we're just seeing the outgrowth of that. And maybe we just need to get back to doing some basic teaching on that subject so that people are aware that that's what the Bible teaches and that's what they should be uh, believing in. And that if they call themselves Christians, if they have been accepted into the body, however you do it, evangelicals don't have the same standard uh, for accepting somebody into the body as we do, but um, however you go about doing that, they should know or they should, they should have the, the understanding uh, of what it means to be a Christian. Um, and maybe there's something that got lost there. And, you know, given that a lot of basic teaching hasn't been done and, and you know, since this is a 2020 to 2022 study, maybe there is a problem uh, that has happened because of the pandemic. I don't know. I, they, the the study doesn't bother to speculate or, or post any kind of uh, theory as to why this is happening. Um, but we can talk about it, and we can we can definitely uh, see if we can come to some kind of understanding. Um, so maybe the problem is just just not enough teaching. But I suspect that that's not the case. Um, we don't see a 13% jump in this number just because you failed to teach this subject for two years. Um, that would mean a lot has changed and a, a lot of bad teaching has happened in order for that to be a problem. What I suspect is probably more of an issue, and, and, and honestly this is going to be a harder issue for us to deal with, is that people are just, they know what the Bible says about this subject. They just don't buy it for whatever reason. And since we're going to be, we're talking about uh, evangelicals, we're talking about people who still claim to be Christians, um, how does that work? What, what is actually happening here um, that is causing people who claim to be a Christian to say, yeah, I, I understand, I know what the Bible says about this subject, I know what uh, is going on, you know, with, with the claims that are being made, but, you know, I'm just taking that with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm just not going to fully buy into that. How does that work? How does that happen? And what can we do in order to kind of counter that. So a lot of what, is, what, what we're seeing is that there is a, a sense in which a person can 
feel like they can buy into the philosophy of Christianity, the um, the moral teachings of Christianity, the the understanding, you know, that there is, um, you know, the golden rule is is a good thing to live by. I can follow the Ten Commandments, even though the Ten Commandments are part of Christianity, but that's what people say. Uh, I follow the Ten Commandments. I follow the Golden Rule. I, I'm I'm generally a good person. Um, those are all things that we are, we learn from Christ. Uh, and and if I do those things, I'm a Christian. I don't necessarily need to believe or or take literally uh, the things that Christ did in order to establish himself as uh, as divine or, or, or the founder of uh, this, this religious philosophy. It is just a, a good moral standard, things that we, we know we should do. Uh, these things are all very well understood universally as, as good things. And we don't have to get bogged down in the specifics of who Christ was or who he claimed to be, what the apostles were doing, all of that stuff. As long as we hold to the, the moral standards, then, then we're good Christians. And the problem with that and what we're seeing, and, and, and you know, again, my, my lessons over the last, how long have I been doing this? Four years now? Uh, have all focused on the rise of the the nuns, this this group of individuals who are no longer part of Christianity or any other religion. They just kind of they they still claim to believe in God, but they don't. They're not tied to any specific belief system or, or, or ideology or or religion because um, they don't see the necessity of it. And when you and what we're seeing here is that we're seeing that that happening in real time. We're seeing this 13% of people that have gone from believing that Jesus is divine to not believing in Jesus, that Jesus is divine, starting to move away from Christianity in real time over the last two years. And that as that as that trend increases and continues, uh, they're not going to be Christians anymore in two more years. And why is that? Because the things that are uniquely Christian, what makes Christianity Christianity, what makes uh, this idea of being a Christian unique and different from every other religion and philosophy is the understanding that all of this works because Jesus was God. And if you remove that, what you find is that, well, and, you, and you'll hear people say, I can be a good person without being a part of religion. I don't have to believe that Jesus was God to follow the golden rule, even though the golden rule comes from, from Jesus. There have been other philosophers, other moral leaders who have espoused similar teachings um, it's universally kind of understood that just being a good person is, is a good thing to do. There's no necessity to 
under, to believe in Christ in order to be a quote-unquote good person. And so once they figure out that they can be a good person, and, and however they define that, without actually buying into the doctrine of Christ, um, then they don't need the doctrine of Christ. They don't need to understand, you know, they don't, they don't need to believe that Christ was God in order to continue to do the things that they were going to do anyway. Um, so why, why tie myself to this? Why, why put myself in the position of trying to defend this position that in their minds is not completely defensible? And that's where we're where we're going to get into some issues, where right? The problem that we're having and the problem that we're seeing is that as 20th century Christians, or 21st century Christians now, um, we are in an age where if we don't have tangible proof of something, if we can't see it, we can't, we don't have video. It, it didn't happen, and we're asking people to believe in these miraculous events that happened that Jesus did at, at, when he was on earth, and not only that, but you know, if you go even back farther into the Old Testament, we're asking them to believe in the creation accounts, the all of the. Uh, miraculous things that, that God did to save the children of Israel in order to preserve the seed line for, for the birth of Jesus to take place, uh, then all of the miracles that Jesus did up to and including the resurrection, um, all of that is hard for 21st century people to not only just believe in and, and hold on to, but even harder for them to defend, because if you're if I'm going out to to talk to a person who is not a Christian, and I, I'm talking to them about Jesus Christ, I talk to them about you know turning the water into wine. How did that happen? What what is the the mechanism of that? Happen? Well, it was just it was the power of God. Like they don't. What is the power of God being? That that's literally an impossibility for water to become wine. You're telling me that this person did something impossible. What what it, what evidence do you have that, that happened? And when we're putting in that position of asking what what evidence does that happen? Well, then we're in a position that is untenable from from a worldly logical position, right? Where we have to say that we believe these things based on faith is what is the usual answer. That's not a good answer. But that's the, the usual answer that we, we come up with. Well we we have faith that it that's happened. Faith is not evidence. the the I mean we we want to go to uh you know Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That, that's not what that verse is, is saying. Faith is not in and of itself evidence because no one else can, can test that. No one else can see that. It's something that 
exists in your own mind. So the question becomes, how do we as Christians have an answer for this? And do we have to have an answer for this? Can we be a Christian without buying into the divinity of Christ, number one? And number two, how do we even begin to go about defending some of these things uh, and not just say, well, I just have faith that it happened? Because that, that, like, when we're dealing with the population that we're dealing with, that is not a good answer. It's, it's just not sufficient. Um, and the more you actually get into these conversations, the more you talk to people who are in this, in this group called the nuns, and again, that group is growing rapidly, so you will encounter them if you haven't already. Um, for them, that's not sufficient. It, it, it's not going to be enough to just say, I have faith that God did this, and that is the evidence. That, that, that's, people have faith in a lot of things. People believe a lot of things, that, and some of those things aren't true. So how do, you, how do we as Christians go about tackling this issue. Um, so let's start with the first problem. And the first problem is, as Christians, can we continue to call ourselves Christians and not buy into the divinity of Christ? Can we say, I, I am a Christian, I, I you know, buy into the philosophy of Christianity, but 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 Jesus is not literally God. That that was that was something that that's something we don't have to necessarily accept. Is that a an acceptable position? The problem is that if we take the writings of the Bible as being true in any sense, we're not left that option. If we believe that the the apostles actually wrote these things down, or in, in the, and literal eyewitnesses of, of Christ wrote these events down, the the way that they talk about Jesus, the way that they describe and and, and who Jesus was, the claims that they make about him, we are not left the option. Of Jesus was was just a good moral teacher. I've done a whole lesson on this. It, it is a uh, originally uh, based on a, a sermon on the writings of C.S. Lewis that uh, if you take Jesus at his word, he he must be either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord as he claimed to claim to be. And you can you can go through that entire lesson. I'm not going to redo it here. I don't have time. Um, but if it's true that, as we talked about last week, that John, our last time I was up, that John declares Jesus to be the Christ, he declares Jesus to be divine, then we have three options, that he's lying, Jesus was not divine. He knew that Jesus was not divine, so therefore he's, he's lying. And if he's lying, how can we say, okay, 
I'm going to base my my moral philosophy on the teachings of this guy who happens to be a liar about the most important thing in this text. That doesn't really make sense. Then the next option, okay, he made this claim, then, but he didn't didn't know that it wasn't true. But he's just he's just a crazy person. But it's just something that a, a, a person who is not in his right mind would say. Um, again, a, are you going to base your moral philosophy, your moral underpinnings on the claims of somebody who is literally crazy? Or it, it, it's, <laughs> it goes without saying that that doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So then the only option is that, okay, he made this claim, and it is true. And if he makes the claim that he is God and it is true, then that comes with implications. That comes with with a lot of responsibility on our part in order to uh, integrate that and, and accept that and then accept all of the things that come along with that. So that is where we are in terms of the claim that Jesus made that he's great. So the problem is, okay, we're assuming, again, at the begin, at the outset, that the people that saw these things and that, that experienced them wrote them down and wrote them down faithfully and, and that we have in the 21st century, that text, that, that those exact accounts in the way that they were set down. And the problem is that the doubt comes in at that point, the doubt that, the, that there is a lot of doubt in the Christian community. I'm not even talking about people who have already left or, or people who are never part of Christianity. But there has been a concerted effort by people who, again, call themselves biblical scholars, uh, call themselves being Christians, but have introduced this doubt uh, as to the nature of the scriptures. They, they don't necessarily believe that the scriptures were written by the, the people who claim to have written them. They don't necessarily believe that the, the text has remained in an unaltered or at least not significantly altered form uh, to, from the time that they were written to the time that we have them now. There is enough doubt introduced into this, introduced into this text that they don't really find it to be reliable. And why is that? Well, one of the reasons that is um, – is that their own teachers introduced this this doubt to them? Uh, go back to what do we teach on on Mark chapter sixteen verses fifteen and fifteen? What's the most common objection to what that text says? The most common objection is, well, that really wasn't a part of Mark. Mark never actually wrote. If you know. Believe, believe 
those who believe and, and are baptized will be saved. But Mark didn't actually write that. That was introduced into the text later. What's the problem with doing that? The problem with doing that is now you're introducing the doubt. Okay, if this part of Mark was introduced later, what else was introduced later? What else has been altered? And if we can't trust the text of Mark to be reliable, we can't trust the claims that Mark makes about Christ, about what Christ taught, then can we trust Luke? Can we trust Matthew? Can we trust Paul? There's a lot of those all kinds of doubt introduced about the writings of Paul. And now you're you're sitting with a congregation that doesn't you know I don't like the way that they, they word this question. So they the the state of theology also asks the question of whether um, people literally believe that the Bible is true. And I won't get into the numbers on that because the way they ask the question is it's a bad question and there's not really a, a, a right answer to that question. If you ask somebody if the Bible is literally true, there's no answer to that question because what do you mean by the Bible being literally true? There are 66 books in the Bible. Each of the 66 books is written by uh, one of 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years to different audiences for different purposes. Some parts are literal, are meant to be taken literally. Some parts are not meant to be taken literally. So you can't just say the Bible is literally true without qualification and, and, and answer that yes or no. But regardless of how poorly the question was worded, the trend that we see is that the, that the answer is drifting towards we don't believe that. And if they're asking it the way that they mean to ask it and they, they're getting the response that they mean to get, that what we're seeing is that the, the idea that the events that happened in the Bible, that the uh, things that were basically hanging our, our faith on um, didn't actually happen or didn't happen in the way that they're recorded. Um, and again, that, that doubt isn't only introduced from outside forces. We talked about the Jehovah's Witnesses last, last month. Um, we can talk about you know, what atheists and adversarial archaeologists will, will say. Those aren't the big problem here. If those were the, if those were the only factors, we wouldn't be seeing this dramatic of a shift. We're seeing a dramatic shift because that that stuff is coming from within. That stuff is coming from sources that used to be considered credible, uh, or just a, a a massive undermining of what we consider to be basic doctrinal foundations from within the Christian quote-unquote community um, so we can, again, look at authorities. Again, when we're talking about extra-biblical things, there's no authority in the way that we understand biblical authority. There are authorities, there are people who have credentials that 
give them a a platform to stand on when they fire their shots at the Bible. Um, and because these people have more education or more, or more uh, prestige behind their names when they say it, uh, it sounds like a credible critique, it, for lack of a better term. But again, these are people who claim to be on your side, claim to be part of our our our, our fellowship, but all they're doing is introducing doubt into the equation. And once you start introducing doubt to the equation in one place, you have opened the door to bring in doubt for from other places. If I can't trust Mark, then can I trust anybody else? Again, the the text that doesn't have the, the, the ending of Mark that we have accepted, uh, I'll go back, that goes all the way to verse 20, I believe, um, also doesn't have whole other books of the Bible, doesn't, doesn't have all of the writings of Paul, doesn't have, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of things missing. Are all of those things now suspect? And if they are, what are the implications? And if they're not, why are we introducing this here? Just to make this one argument. So you, you started to make an argument about baptism, and you undercut the entire theology in order to do this. It's not rational, but – and that's just one example. And we can go through some other things, but we don't have time. Um, but that one example is enough, and, and that's, again, when we're talking about evangelicals, we're talking about people who are uh, majority either Catholic or not Catholic, uh, either Calvinist or, or Baptist in their uh, underlying theology. Both of those uh, reject the idea of salvation by our baptism for, is being necessary for salvation. They'll both make that argument. Um, so it doesn't matter, and, and they, they borrow from each other. Anyway. So what we're saying is that those people are losing because they're introducing, as part of their teaching, they're introducing the doubt into their understanding of, of Christianity. Uh, now you can't really rely on anything else, and, and some of them, uh, we'll try to supplement that by by talking about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They don't need, necessarily need the text as long as they've got the, the Holy Spirit and the feeling and whatnot. Uh, the other ones supplement that by saying you're either saved or not anyway, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you have the text or not or uh, really understand it or not. Um, so we're in a, a, a very difficult situation when we're talking about is Jesus divine? I'm going to, I'm basing that on these statements that these uh, men are making in this text. But then I also told you that this text is not reliable. So what do you expect to happen at that point? So one of the things that we have to 
focus on is if we're going to have the conversation with these people and we're going to try to bring them back, is we definitely need to focus on the reliability of the text, that we know that there are multiple manuscript versions of the text, but they all agree. There's not this huge controversy in terms of uh, manuscripts. There are a few verses here and there that are at issue. There's the, you know, there's the issue of the, the source document of the King James Version is a different from the source document of some of the other modern versions. There, and we can talk about, we can have that discussion. It's not as big a deal as the King James only people make it out to be. But it is a, it's an area that needs to be discussed and, and needs to be dealt with, honestly. And again, I don't have time to break that entire thing down tonight. But if you're getting into this study and if you, and if you are looking for an area to strengthen your faith, that's where you need to start. Start with, can we rely on these documents? Why, what can we do to rely on these documents? And there, there are resources in order to, uh, to shore that up. The other thing that we need to, to deal with is that what are we basing our faith on? What is, what is the foundational issue of Christianity? Again, what is, what is the one thing that's necessary for us to believe in order for us to really be Christians? That is the, the divinity of Christ and the, the evidence of that, the proof of the divinity of Christ being the resurrection itself. Again, you know, we go First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Paul Paul makes this case that if we don't believe in the resurrection, if the resurrection didn't happen, this whole thing is. You might as well pack up the tent and go. I mean, there, there's there's no there's nothing to Christianity if the resurrection didn't happen. So how can we understand and how can we base the our 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 understanding of the divinity of Christ in the fact of the resurrection. And and here's a good again, I did a whole lesson on this before. It's probably available in one of our, our, our back uh, episodes and I'm not going to go through the entire thing tonight, but the understanding of the resurrection again is if we are talking about miraculous issues and miraculous uh, happenings, a lot of those things that happened are going to be unverifiable for a lot of, a lot of reasons. And, and when we talk about uh, religion in general, when we talk about uh, what are all of these uh, theologies and, and, and things based on, the objection that you're going to get from educated uh, nuns is that Christianity and, and all religions is, are, are based on unverifiable claims, unfalsifiable claims that uh, really have no scientific value and have no evidentiary value. Uh, and that is generally true for a lot of things. It is not true for the resurrection. The resurrection, the way that it's described as happening at the time that it happened, 
it, it, it doesn't have that same weakness. Uh, we're talking about a religion that was founded in the year that these things took place in the same city where these things took place by the same people who saw them take them or who were there, who were in the, who were able to be there to see them take place and verify that whether they took place or not. These are people that knew that tomb was empty and were in a position to know how it became empty. That it was full at one point. That there was a that there was a body in that tomb. That there it was guarded uh, by Roman centurions. It was sealed with the seal of the the, the Roman emperor. And three days later, it was open and in. Those, those are the facts of the case. We can argue with the different, there are different sources outside of the Bible that will attest to, to those facts. And collecting those things is going to be important to some people. Um, but the idea that it could have been faked, that it could have been uh, you know, made up out of whole cloth doesn't work. It, when we understand the timeline of the events, if it had been made up out of whole cloth, you couldn't have started it in the same city where you claim that these events happened in the same year that you claim these events happened and not have people shout you down and say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> You're just making this up it would not have survived. It would not have gotten off the ground. The fact that it did get off the ground at that time, at that, in that place, when it just argues by itself that they weren't making this up uh, and at least, you know, a lot of people at that time and in that place believed it. So then, you, then it's up to you to explain how if they did, if they believe this thing and it wasn't true, how did, how, how did they fake it to such a degree that, that they got these people to, to accept it? Um, and so, and again, there are a lot of resources that you can go to um, that will help you build on on that part too. So. The the, th the two things that we need to strengthen as as I close this out and begin, and, and I might uh, make those other lessons uh, available again. Uh, I'm in the process of getting all my stuff get on my YouTube channel, so <laughs> bear with me. I'm I'm about three years behind at this point, but um, I will make those lessons available, and then we can you know if you need help finding resources, you can contact us at the show and we can point you in the right direction. There are ample things out there that, that will help. In terms of, and again, these things aren't going to be silver bullets. 
they're they're not you know panaceas that are going to make it uh, you know impossible for for people who are doubting to to leave. I mean, if they were, we wouldn't be seeing the trends that we're seeing. But if we're going to have any chance of stemming the tide or, or, or turning things around, um, that's where we have to start. We have to build our our faith on the things that Paul and the Bible tells us to build our faith on, the, the, the fact that Christ raised from the dead. Because, again, to them, that, that, that was not a matter of faith. It was a matter of fact. They saw it. They knew that they, they, they did it. He, Paul names names as he goes through, you know, talking about all the people who attested to it, um, that they were there, they saw, they, they, they saw the risen Lord. You know, it was not a, a secret thing. If, it, if, if they had come back, if, if these things had been written hundreds of years later in a faraway place, You'd you'd have some some leg to stand on in terms of you know, maybe this was was made up uh, maybe this whole thing about Christ being God was added later but again what we see is that you know the the Gospels at least the the Gospel of Mark was probably written around 60 A.D. at the at the latest that is you know within 30 years of the events that take place, and that's being fairly conservative. And all of the letters of Paul were written before that um, because his, he was going on his, his missionary journey and writing these letters um, in the 50, 40s and 50s, within 10 or 15 years of the events. And Paul makes no bones about uh, Christ being divine in his writings. So how does Jesus go from just a man to to divine in 15 years without significant pushback from this population, which, again, this movement started in the city that these events were claimed to have taken place in the same year that these events were claimed to have taken place. And there's no argument about the core foundation beliefs that Christ raised from the dead. That's what the whole movement is based on. So it was a matter of fact for them. It's a matter of faith for us because we don't think. We're, we're trusting on their uh, reliability in terms of writing it down. And then, like, again, again, that goes back to understanding the reliability of the text. Um, but for them, it was a matter of fact. Paul talks about it as a matter of fact. And, and, he, and again, he, he puts his foot down. If this didn't happen, and if you don't believe it happened, then there's no, there's no point to this whole Christian movement. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. If you – there's no way you can read First Corinthians chapter 15 and then challenge yourself, do I actually believe these things? If you don't, then it's of none effect to you. You might as well leave, and that's what we're saying. The people are leaving uh, because they don't buy it anymore. And 
that's sad to say and because, again, we're not doing enough to teach the foundational things that need to be taught in order to strengthen people's faith on these things happen the way that they said they happen. So either they're not being taught at all that the Bible teaches this, or they're being taught but they're not fully buying it. We need to make sure that we understand why and, and address those questions and address those issues. If we, or, again, if it's 43% in evangelical churches, the number in our congregations is not zero. So we need to figure out, are there people in our congregations who are having these doubts? Why are they having these doubts? What can we say to them in order to uh, alleviate in the, those doubts, answer those questions, make sure that they're strengthened up? Can we, be, can we rely on the Bible being uh, accurate to what the apostles and the uh, the other people who wrote uh, wrote down, and did the resurrection of Christ literally take place? If we nail those two things down, the rest of it becomes easier. I'm not saying it becomes a hundred percent because I didn't even mention the, the the issues with Genesis, and that's a whole other can of worms uh, that we, we would need to get into, and maybe I'll address it later. Um, but if we, I think if we can nail those two things down, we can at least get the New Testament and we can understand Christianity uh, better, and we can get and prevent people who are having these doubts about the divinity of Christ um, to feel more confident that that, that what the Bible teaches and what the Bible uh, confirms to be true uh, is is something that they can they can buy into that they can believe and we can deal with the other things as they come up. So lesson is yours. I hope that was was helpful. If you're if you're a, a leader or a a person who is dealing with these issues, um, that you can at least have a direction to go in terms of studying and in terms of building your faith. And make sure you look for sources that are uh, reliable and not adversarial. Uh, just because they claim to be Christian biblical scholars doesn't necessarily mean that they are on your side in terms of helping you um, strengthen your faith. Some of them are trying to do the exact opposite, unfortunately. Um, so lesson is yours. I hope that that was, was beneficial to somebody. And keep listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When God says no, and we won't accept him to the end, just remember, don't forget, Father knows what's best. I remember, God, I know, know what's there, my God, he knows what's there. Late in the midnight hour, I was 
As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. DBB's Media Production presents We're airing live shows here on Walk Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. Or you can type in your browser, the website, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month, I'm hosting the live show, What a Word of the Lord radio show. And we have, on the second Tuesday of the month, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And also during that show, we have the Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. I have three co-hosts on that show, the evangelist uh, Lou Gilbert from the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Isa Mullins. He serves at the, with the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month, my co-host Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. She has the Kelly Fletcher Show, and that show airs from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Then on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. I have eight co-hosts on this show who are making a proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. And each week, I have two co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform. I'll shout it out. I'll be posing to one of my questions. I'm one of my co-hosts on that show, on that live show. Then on Friday night, uh, I'm hosting a live show, Stevie B. Acapella Gospel Music Blast. That show airs from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. We're also interviewing artists, producers, comedians, etc. And we're also debuting new music and featuring old music on this show as well. Every third Friday, the month of the Top 20 Countdown show, and we also have on-demand episodes. Uh, there are a variety of musical platforms that you can go to to listen to these various podcasts. Uh, some of the major ones I always like to announce is Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. Also, have recorded version shows. These shows are, were mostly album debuts that I did. And I use the same playlist on the, from the live show here on Block Talk Radio. And these Shows can be heard on iHeartRadio, on Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Stevie B's recorded version show. We want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you want to be a sponsor, just contact our sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live radio show. My co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, is up next. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show.
we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds.
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host robert lee johnson and his subject the courage to live for christ thank you sir welcome friends it's good to see you once again and to have uh this great opportunity uh, to share the word of god with you i'm thankful uh, to my Heavenly Father for uh, giving me life and allowing me to possess life and to have this opportunity uh, to preach the Word of God. It's so exciting uh, to be a gospel minister, one who preaches the Word of God and and shares uh, eternal life with with men and women who um, are soon leaving this world. We don't know where death is, uh, but we, we do know that death is around us. Just look around you. Uh, so many people dying and passing off the scene. And I'm just saying, whatever you need to do, the thing that you need to do, is to get yourself ready uh, to meet God. If God has blessed you uh, to live in this world and 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 to enjoy life a certain number of years, you need to think in terms of where you will spend eternity and certainly make uh, preparation to that uh, end. I want to thank Stevie our host on the Gospel Light Radio Show, for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate the lesson presented by Glenn. I might have a few questions, though, but I appreciate uh, his lesson as he uh, taught us the word of God. My lesson tonight will come from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 11. That's 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. He said that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee. Being mindful, Paul says, of uh, thy tears, as the Bible says, that I may be filled with joy. Uh, he goes on to talk about uh, the time that he spent uh, with this great 
gospel minister. And Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And the Bible says a sound man. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thy partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, uh, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, before the world began. But it's now manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul knew what God wanted him to do, and Paul accepted uh, the work that God uh, placed into his hands. He only wanted to do the things that the good Lord asked of him, which I think is a beautiful thing. My subject, as announced by Steve, is the courage to live for Jesus Christ. That's what's needed in the world today. We need the courage to live for the Lord. And looking at the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, Courage means to show oneself strong. And this is what God is asking of us to do. It's a wonderful thing to have courage. Show yourself to be strong, as is given by this definition. Many would live for Christ today, but they don't have the courage to live for Christ. Many would turn from their sins and from the ways of the world, but they don't have the courage to do that. And so my task today is to encourage you to turn to God and live for God. Because it is necessary for those of us who have the opportunity to live for the Lord to do just that. The courage 
to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to follow along with me tonight. Get your Bibles. I'm a Bible preacher. I preach from the Bible. <laughs> I not, I'm not trying to talk about anybody, but I'm just saying I'm a Bible preacher. I preach from the Bible. I'm not on here to tell you uh, jokes and uh, things like that, but I am here to tell you about the Bible. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. God gave it to us. And I believe that God would not have given us anything that we cannot know what he wants us to do. He gave us the Word. You know, and if you are courageous enough to read and study the the Bible, you can learn what God wants you to do to be a Christian. Look at Psalms 27 tonight. Here we have a Psalm of David. Listen to the Bible tonight. Verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. David did not say, I think he is. David said definitively and definitely, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? <laughs> Preach, David. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, and my heart shall not fear, uh, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Now, here is a man who understands that God is on his side. Here is a man, he is not speaking in uh, maybes or it might be. David is speaking confidently. David is speaking definitively. David believes God to be the creator of the world. And David said, God is my light and my salvation. See, let me put it to you like this. If God is on your side, there is no reason for you to fear. Preach, Brother Johnson. I said, if God is on your side, there's no need for you to fear. And so David said, God is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? In other words, if God is in me and I am in God, if God is on my side and I'm on the side of God, then there's no need for me to be afraid. Things are going to work out. Let me tell you something. You listen to people, and people will mess you up. Don't share all your business with people because they will mess you up. 
They will discourage you even though they don't know that they are discouraging you. They will discourage you in many, many ways. You need to get away from them. And so I like it when David said, the Lord is my light. See, I'm not traveling in darkness because God is my light. God is my salvation. I know that God can save me. I know that God has saved me. I know that God will save others if they're willing to listen to him. Whom shall I fear? What situation can I get in where I am going to fear? Fear is not going to be prominent in my life because God is on my side and I am on the side of God. David has an encouraging message tonight, church. He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? There's no reason for you to fear or be afraid when God is on your side. When your enemies come all up against you. David said they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. Why? Because what they're doing is not right in the first place. And secondly, God is there to protect you. So, so don't pass out because you hear that somebody is gunning for you. Somebody is looking for you. Somebody is going to get you. Man, you got to hold on. You got to be a fighter. There's no reason and there's no need to give up. War was a big thing in the days of King David. David said, if the host should surround me, my heart shall not fear. See, don't, don't think so much of the enemy that you, you quickly and altogether give up. Man, you got to have some sight in you. God did not create you to be a weakling. God made us strong. My heart should not fear. Though war should rise against me, David said, in this will I be confident. I like the way David is talking. And when you are not by yourself, you can be successful if you trust in God. I don't care how many people are against you, if God is on your side, you and the Lord above are in the majority. David is lifting my spirit tonight. Look at here. David says, I will trust in the Lord. He says, I will trust in the Lord. And I say to you tonight, my friends, 
because I have God, and because God is on my side, I would not be afraid. No, ma'am and no, sir. I'm not going to be afraid. The enemy is going to come at you, but you got to take a stand. You got to trust in the Lord. Secondly, tonight, believers are encouraged to be strong for this journey. Man, listen, there are things that God needs you to do. On this journey, it's not a quick journey. It may be a very long journey. You got to be strong on this journey. That's where your courage kicks in. When you're strong for the journey, no, it's not time to quit. No, it's not time to give up. You got to be strong. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. Let's see what we can find in the book of Joshua. The Bible says in Joshua chapter uh, 1, uh, verses 6 uh, through 9, God encouraged uh, his servant. And like I told you before, People will put you down and they will discourage you. If you listen to people, you will be very, very, very discouraged. You better know God and you better learn to listen to the voice of the Lord. Now listen at what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 6. Be strong. And of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God said, I need you to divide the land, Joshua. I've made a promise to these people. I made a promise to the fathers of these people that I would give them this land as their inheritance. Now notice what it says in verse number 7 of Joshua chapter 1. The Bible says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thy man observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right, hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. God said, you got to listen to the word. People will take faith away from you. People will take courage away from you. But if you listen to the Lord, your courage will grow. And God said, you will be a great success. And then the Bible says in verse number 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I don't doubt the orders of God. I don't doubt the word of God. I'm not a skeptic. I am a believer. I'm not going to allow the devil to use me in causing God's people to be unsuccessful. As a gospel minister, my job is to put faith in you, to instill faith in you, and to cause you to believe God and to obey God. God said to Joshua that you need to be strong. You need to be of good courage. And God said, tell the people, that I'm going to do whatever I promise their fathers that I would do. Only be that strong. Let me tell you, in the world today, it is difficult to find people who are strong in the Lord. Now, there are many who are strong for Satan. They believe the devil. They believe the word of the devil. God is looking for people who will believe him. I can't believe God without believing in the word of God. God would not have given us a word if that word was not believable. If that word was not trustworthy. If that word did not emanate and come forth from God. So I'm telling you tonight, if you want to be on God's side, you're going to have to have courage for the journey. And I look in the church today, I see weak brothers and weak sisters that are not strong. We have left and desisted from trusting in God and loving God. We got to go back and start believing the Bible and being obedient to the word of Almighty God. God told Joshua, you got to be strong. And the only way you can be strong is by standing in the word, believing the word, and doing the word. We're not here to cast reflection on God, not his word. And let me tell you what God was saying to Joshua. I will always be there. God will be with us all of the time, and God will be with us everywhere we go. You got to trust the Father. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Don't look away, but put your faith and trust in the Lord. Thirdly, tonight, as we talk about 
the courage to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles were willing to die for Jesus. Did you hear what I said? The apostles were willing to die for Jesus. Yes, they were. They were with him. They heard him preach. They saw him crucified and buried in the ground. And on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, Peter ran to the tomb, and Christ was not in that tomb. And that imbued the spirit in them. And the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word of God. They were willing to die for Jesus. That's how strong their faith had grown. That's how strong they had become. And I want you to read with me the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, verses 13. Uh, through 20, Acts chapter 4, and you will see that their faith had grown to the point where they, they were willing to die for Jesus. Acts 4, 13 through 20, the Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Christ. Let me tell you something. People will notice when you've been with Jesus. Because Christ makes a difference in our lives. You don't talk like the world. You don't walk like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't use the language that the world uses. It's sad to hear our women today, they talk worse than sailors. You're so strong with that curse words. Ladies, you all not to be doing that. Yeah, I said it. And I ain't scared. Y'all not to talk like that, ladies. It grieves my spirit when I hear the words that some of these women use today. And so the Bible says in Acts 4, uh, 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, uh, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle, the Bible says, has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we could not die. We cannot deny it. You cannot deny the word of God. You cannot deny the work of Christ, nor the apostles, nor the early church. These things are written for us to believe the word of God. And so, in verse 15, the Bible says, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, 
The Bible says, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and they themselves could not deny it. We saw it ourselves. We know what happened. Now look at verse number uh, 17. But that is spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no man, no man in this name. In other words, we don't want them to talk about Christ anymore. They forbade the apostles to mention the name of Jesus. Men, how you going to preach and not mention the name of Christ? How you going to talk about the Bible and not mention the name of Christ? How you going to speak of what he has done? The Bible says, but God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Acts 13 and verse number 30. And then the Bible says in verse 18 of Acts 4, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all. (laughs) These people were upset with the apostles. They said, you cannot speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. We don't want to hear you say nothing about Jesus. There are a lot of people in the church who are the same way today. They will forbid you to, to say what Jesus said. They will forbid you to teach the word of God and take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of Satan. When men try to prevent the word from going forth, that's the spirit of the devil. Now notice what the apostle told them in verse number 20 of Acts 4. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. The apostles had courage and faith. They said, we got to talk about Jesus. They beat him. They let him go. And they told him not to speak anymore in the name of Christ. I want to tell you tonight, it took courage for the apostles to preach the gospel. They were excited about the opportunity to tell men about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. We ought to be excited today. Man, if you can't preach what's in the Bible, if you're working for people and they will not allow you to preach what's in the Bible, you need to get up out of there yesterday. How can you be saved when you forbid men and women to preach Jesus, to preach about his church, to preach about 
his worship, to preach about his death, burial, and resurrection. It's just not possible. For you to be saved when you tell men that they cannot preach about Jesus. Number four, my fourth point tonight on having courage for the Lord. I want you to know Paul's testimony for his love of the gospel. Paul loved the gospel more than he loved his life. He said, I must preach about Jesus. The apostles did not listen to those leaders. They put Jesus all throughout the city of Jerusalem. And that's what they were supposed to do. And that's what we need to do today. If you want to be successful, you got to preach Christ. You got to preach his church. You got to preach his worship. You got to preach the things that Jesus told us to preach and the things that were so important to him. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, Paul said uh, to the Philippians, as he talked about the word of God, Paul said, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord whites and confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, Paul said, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of Lord of the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul said, what you did to me actually helped the gospel. They beat him, whipped him, put him in jail. And while Paul was in jail, he helped the gods to understand the word of God. So much so that Caesar in the house of Caesar, there were those who were Christians. Because Paul allowed the word to flow and to go through. They thought they were cutting, shutting down the gospel. But they put Paul in position that he could talk to the soldiers from the palace of Caesar. And Paul preached the gospel to them, and they became Christians. And that message was spread abroad. Christians in the household of Caesar. You cannot stop the gospel. You may stop some weak men, but you cannot stop the gospel. Persecution 
could not stop Paul. Paul focused on his assignment. He preached Christ to the world. He would not fail. He would not give up. And Paul refused to give in. He said, you meant harm to me. You beat me. You put me in jail. You thought that was shut up my mouth. But even in jail, he found an avenue to preach Christ and him crucified. What courage this man had. What focus he brought to the body of Christ. My last point tonight is about King David. David displayed courage in standing up for the army of God. David was upset with Goliath because Goliath challenged the army of God. Listen at it. In 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. And there the Bible says, the Bible says, then uh, said, then said David, uh, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. David said, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David was upset that Saul had defied the army of God. There are so many people who get upset because people are offended by the gospel of Christ. Well, we're going to offend someone because you tell them the story? Because you tell them what Jesus said, tell them? Man, if people get upset over the gospel of Christ, let them get upset. Our task is to tell men what Jesus said so that they can have the opportunity of being saved. And I'm telling you that God is not pleased when we don't tell the story, when we don't talk about the one kingdom, the one church, the one body, when we refuse to show the difference between the worship of God and the worship between denominations and the doctrines of men. God is not pleased with that. David was upset because Saul had defiled, had um, defied uh, the army of God. David was not pleased with that. Not only that, but Saul mocked the army of God and made fun of them. Nobody wanted to face him. David said, I will face you. I'm just a little shepherd boy. 
You're over 11 feet tall. I'm just a little shepherd boy, but I'm not afraid of you. Let me tell you something. You cannot afford to be afraid of the enemy. Get out there and do what God told you to do. Look at verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. And David told Goliath, I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You're not supposed to walk hand in hand with the enemy. You're not supposed to agree with the enemy. David did not agree with Goliath. David said, you have defied the army of the living God. David was against Goliath because Goliath was against God. See, there's too much uh, today we... We're trying too hard. You can't fellowship wrong. You can't fellowship ungodliness. You can't fellowship someone that's not in fellowship with God. To try to get along with them. David didn't try to fellowship Goliath. David said, you're wrong. And David said, God has appointed me to put a stop to you. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. The Bible says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And David said to Goliath, and God will give you into our hands. So David walked through the brook, picked up three smooth stones, took one and shot that rock right in the head of Goliath. He killed him because God was on David's side and David was on God's side. Goliath was the enemy fighting against David and the army of God. You cannot go up against God and his army. You must listen to God and be obedient to his will. Let me go ahead and close. I got about just a few minutes left, and I want to thank you for listening uh, tonight uh, to the words of Almighty God. That's the thing that's going to save us. That's the thing that's going to help us. We need not to be afraid of the enemy. We need to trust God and listen to his word. Let me call, close tonight with a couple 
of illustrations. You ever heard of the rock badger? We could learn a lot from the rock badger. This small animal, also called a coney, knows where to go when danger comes. The large raggedy crags jutting out from the mountains form a perfect hiding place for the badger. So if an eagle swoops down and tries to capture him, the little animal is protected by the rock. The eagle will have to tear the mountain apart to get to the prey. When a lion is on the prowl, you've seen the lion uh, in the different areas when they're looking for prey. So when a lion is looking for his lunch, the badger goes undetected by lying close to the rock because the badger is the same color as the mountain. As long as the badger hides in the rocks, he is safe. Now, if he wanders away into the grassland, he is dead meat. <laughs> the lion would kill him. The most courageous badger is wise enough to know that his strength lies not in working out at the gym, but in taking shelter in the rocks. If you have the brains of a badger, you'll figure out where your strength lies. Be strong in the Lord, the scripture urges us, and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10, David says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. His enemies will hunt him down. The badger knows where his strength lies. The question tonight is this. Do you? Do you know where your strength lies? You need to stay in your strength. Stay in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in his way. But that's the only way that you can be saved. One summer morning, as Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast, he gazed out the window. He saw a small girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his home in Ohio. Blankenship knew that farther downstream, the ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a road, then emptied into the main cupboard. So Ray dashed out the door. He ran along the ditch trying to get ahead of the floundering child. Then he hurled himself into the deep water, churning water. Finally, he surfaced. He grabbed the child's arm. They tumbled over and over, in, over, in. Within about three feet, where the ditch dropped down into the cupboard, Ray's free hand felt something, possibly a rock, protruding from one bank. He clung desperately, but the tremendous force of the water was trying to tear him and the child away. He thought 
if I can just hang on until help comes. He knew that that would be the thing to do. And so that's what he did. He actually did better than that. By the time the fire department rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the girl to safety. Both of them were treated for shock. Then on April the 12th, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard's Silver Life Saving Medal. The award is fitting for the selfless person was at even greater risk to himself than most people knew. Ray Blankenship can't swim. The man jumped in the water to save the little girl, but he himself couldn't swim. What magnificent courage this man manifested. He had courage to save the little girl, even though Ray Blankenship could not swim. I want to tell you tonight that if you trust the Lord, he will make you the kind of man, woman, boy, or girl that you need to be. If you're not a Christian, believe in Jesus with all your heart. Repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and get buried in baptism for the remission of your sins. I would invite you to find a church that believes the Bible. Find a faithful church of Christ and attend that church. Have Bible study and learn the word of God. Thank you so much, Stevie, for giving me this opportunity to listen uh, to preach the word of God and to talk to others. I appreciate all of you out there tonight. May God bless you. Have a great and wonderful evening. Thank you, Stephen. Let's go. 
show i want to thank you for tuning in to our radio broadcast this evening we certainly appreciate you tuning in to blog talk radio as well as on social media i want to thank both my co-hosts robert lee johnson and glenn mcmillian for their fine lessons on the broadcast this evening they always do a fine job with their proclamation of the gospel of christ and we certainly do appreciate them we didn't have time uh, on the broadcast to do our shout it out question lord willing hopefully we'll get a chance to do that on the next broadcast ladies and gentlemen we are just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast and this is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the lord's been strengthened because you not only tune in this radio show 
but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you.